it's Chanel. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome back to another episode of Same, Same, But Different. We're excited you're here. And in true SSBD fashion, we are going to open up with how we're feeling today. Today, Chanel, I am feeling blah, mainly coming from my gut. I'm having some challenges with my gut, uh, but also in that, I'm also feeling really grateful because a younger version of myself would have never been present enough with my body to know that my gut is affecting my mm -hmm. emotions. So I am grateful that I'm in a space where I'm connecting with my body uh, and it's blah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually really resonate with that. Um, it is cloudy. It is overcast. I have like moody clouds over here today. And um, I just, just acknowledging how much that is impacting my mood. I'm already kind of woke up a little tired. And so, you know, that's really just not helping. It's like crawl back in the bed and start over weather and can't really do that. But in the spirit of showing up with the blah and the wishing I could be back in bed, um, let's just get into today's episode. Um, so uh, for those of you joining us, hopefully not for the first time, but just in case, um, one of the things that we that led us to calling this ep the podcast Same, Same, But Different is our cultural backgrounds. Um, so we are, uh, my family's Jamaican, and my people are Puerto Rican. <laughs> so much extra on it um and so in in just so many of our conversations we realized that uh there were so many things that were very similar the food some of the experiences and then today we wanted to talk about some of the culture and navigating that um with immigrant parents and living in the south and all of the complexity Jumping right in growing up um i often got what are you as a question and um you know younger self wasn't quite as cheeky and you know to the point of being like human and so i just didn't know quite how to answer that question but um it boils down to my mom's british my dad's jamaican um my grandparents are jamaican um and so just that complexity but i i love to tell people that and i also hated telling people that because the minute i said that i got the oh yeah man and the Irie and like all the bad accents and then depending on like what age and who I was talking to it was like oh Bob Marley we're not we're not actually related I mean to the best of my knowledge um or oh can you make me some curry chicken one what does my family background have to do with your stomach and why should I cook for you or you know especially right around high school and college it was like oh you know where to get the good weed and it was like what <laughs> like, none of these are like my life experiences that I'm what and so just... do you? <laughs> no, no, actually, I do not. I am the worst person to ask. I don't know squat. <laughs> uh, look, that's so great. Okay, I don't wait. Know I have... Either, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I love it. So wait, I have a question. So okay, so your dad is Jamaican, like from Jamaica. Yeah. And your mom is British from Great Britain. London. Mm -hmm. From London. Now what's her what's her heritage? So she's Jamaican. My my grandparents okay. are Jamaican. My dad is um from the country and my mom's from the city. Like her their people. Yep. Um so even in that it's like a very different experience. But also Jamaica's like that big. So it's not like, you know, terribly, terribly different. But even just their their experiences between them are, are very different. Like my mom's mm -hmm. uh her family's Kingston, Spanish town. My dad's like St. Elizabeth. And so like 
you know, just very different, but nonetheless, Jamaican. Right. Also, the other question that I love to get when I was younger is, there are Black people in England? Yes, there are Black people in England uh, that were born there, uh, in case anyone was wondering. Thankfully, I haven't gotten that in, like, the last 10 or 15 years, but growing up, that was a lot, a lot of that. Yeah. I can appreciate that from my side because we I've definitely had those experiences where so my grandmother, both my parents are Puerto Rican. My father was born in Puerto Rico. My mom was born uh, in Newark, New Jersey. So on my father's side, I'm first generation with my grandmother on my mother's side. She is dark skinned. She's Afro Latina. Uh, and until you opened, until she opened her mouth, you wouldn't know that she was Spanish. She has a really heavy accent, which I love. Uh, but most people assumed default that she was a black woman, especially in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And, you know, as we were growing up, we would see this wide range of color in within our family. Uh, and a lot of people not believing that my grandmother was my grandmother, uh, or we've had cousins that we've met that we had a hard time believing that they were family because they were super white, blonde hair, blue eyes, but they had thick accents and didn't speak a lick of English. And we're yeah. like, what? Like, that's our family, you know? And for us, I'm like, he's white, you know? But, you know, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I fall in that category too, uh, you know? But I had just enough melanin, <laughs> right? Uh, to as kids. I'm sorry, isn't that crazy? You got like this much and you're like, no. My like two drops means that your one drop or half a drop doesn't qualify. Like, why do we do that? Right. It, it's, yeah, it's ingrained in our culture. Culture. Society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just wild. I think what was hard for me and even in, in, you know, what I imagine to be your experiences, I think it was just the challenge of not what, well, one, what people thought about like what it meant to be Jamaican, you know, it's, oh, the sandals commercial forgot that one mm. um you know but like what was hard is i that wasn't my reality those were not my people like the, those experiences were not the experiences that i was having it didn't it didn't um capture any of the like depth or love or um mm. the things that i love about my family like it didn't it doesn't capture the fact that my grandmother never let you leave her house without food it didn't matter what it was she just you just need to leave with something right and like uh, I loved for years she would make me because my, my grandmother lived in New York before she passed. Um, she'd make me saltfish fritters. And I realized that was the only time I ever ate them was when my grandmother made them. And there'd be these like magical little foil packets. Um, <laughs> so much so that I think one of the last trips I picked my mom up for work, uh, picked my mom up before work coming back from my grandmother. And she like got out the car and handed me the foil packet for my grandmother that my grandmother had woken up at like literally the ass crack of dawn to make and so i'm like eating saltfish fritters like they're so room temperature at this point but it just like felt like such love and also thank god it was only like an hour long flight but you know um it just it doesn't capture that it doesn't capture the fact that my grandmother always wanted to like support and take care of now she was spicy and had some personality but like you know mm. even just that like the way that she loved you like it it you know these half-hearted fleeting comments never capture that it doesn't capture the fact that my dad can fix anything like having worked 16,000 jobs, which feels very like Jamaican <laughs> to have multiple jobs, but like he can fix anything under the sun. Like it is, it is wild to me. Give him five minutes, like a coat hanger, you know, a car engine and you'll have like paradise. I don't even understand how this happens. Or like my mom, just the, I mean, amazing on the toes thinking, the creativity, the innovation, you know, and I think some of the things just come from, um, you know, 
island parents but i think also you know we want to like poo poo on it but i think to an extent even poverty with it you know Mm -hmm. being a third world country just the creativity the level of skills that have been poured into me like you know for my parents like both of my parents so my mom way better than my dad but like my dad can mend clothes and and do whatever both of them cook you know um i wish they'd pass more of that on to me but mm, you know maybe i'll get it one day I'm, i'm gonna get it one day how about that um you know, just the, like, my grandmother used to make wedding dresses and make wedding cakes, like, with the delicate flowers and all, like, so many skills. And, and that is what I know of, like, Jamaican culture, the complexity, the the desire to have people around and feed people and the, the level of skill and ingenuity and creativity. And so to have it reduced to, like, you know where to get the good weed was, like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> like, you are not worthy, nor can you appreciate the magical beautiful thing that is my family yeah i love how you just did it i love how you made a direct distinction between the stereotypes and the beautiful parts of what it means to be within a culture right because culture for me the definition that i love about culture is a systemic way of life right systematic like this thing that you do over and over and over again and you're talking about the beauty of your grandmother who never let you you know, leave without being fed, you know, and, and feeding you with something that's deeply tied to, to her culture. Um, Saltfish fritters, love it. So for us, those are called bacalaitos. Uh, in Spanish, that saltfish, we say bacalao. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. uh, so grew up with saltfish fritters too, uh, seasoned, wonderful, some, one of favorite things. Usually for us, it was around holidays, we got those things. Um, so I definitely can appreciate that, but I, I just wanted to echo that, you know, for me, as I hear you share your stories, you you are making a beautiful distinction between the stereotype and what it means or looks like, it feels like, even the way you describe it, to be within that Jamaican culture. And the things that really resonated with you was those those intentional acts of, of love or things that made you feel loved or cared for, or, you know, which a stereotype is called a stereotype for a reason, because you don't always feel, you know, maybe as seen or heard to a depth perspective, yeah. um, which is what I'm getting from what you're sharing. Yeah, I mean, the intention is a split second, you know, decision to help you navigate unknown circumstances. But I think it's just, it's it's really limiting and it's really hard. And, and I don't, I don't think, you know, I would, one of the positives that I will say that has come from this is um, because it was in a space, multiple layers to it, but like, because sharing that I was Jamaican, that my family's Jamaican in a space where it didn't always feel um, understood or supported or appreciated, it um, forced me to define what it is that it meant to be Jamaican for myself in a way. Um, like tying it to the music and the food and the culture and just the experiences and the way of life. And like, I mean, my family, and I think everybody thinks the best about their family, but like looking at like my family, my aunts, uncles, like some of the hardest working people. Um, and you know, that's just something that is core to who I am. Like it is, it is a core tenant belief that I have. And, you know, in almost not like in conversation, but even just to myself to try to defend or or understand why I was so offended by these like tropes of what it meant to be Jamaican, that it forced me to define what I loved about my culture more. Um, and also helped me to think about when and how to share that with people because mm-hmm. it is precious to me. And I'm not like, I'm definitely not nearly as fragile or 
um, protective about it because I, I understand more that it's a, like a reflection of where the other person is. But my younger self just didn't even want to share because I was like, you're not going to you're not even going to try to appreciate it or try to understand it. So I'm just we're, we're more than than curry or jerk chicken. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, does that make sense? I mean, it makes it makes complete sense. You know, especially I, I again, I just really like how you have you're sharing that perspective is like when I was younger, I didn't I, I wasn't as secure in what I know now around my culture and people's reflection or projection or idea of what a culture is, is really based on them and where they're at, maybe with culture, with understanding other people, with understanding a stereotype. You know, I think that's something that was, that's really resonates with me, especially growing up because we did have a wide range of friends and there were these experiences where like growing up in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods, we, the most of the majority of my life, it, it just fit. It didn't matter if you were black coming into my family's home, like you, it, we were always sharing culture and where we grew up. So it, they, it just, they just got it. It's something you've never had to like sit or explain. Uh, but when we moved, there was a part of our lives where we moved to this uh, predominantly white town. And at this point we were teenagers. And then we were on top of being new, we were very exotic for where we lived. And yeah. a lot of people, right? Like a lot of people, even just coming into our homes, a lot of, um, you know, Caucasian people uh, who are who grew up in Caucasian culture, because they do have a culture. Uh, you know, we were just so spicy and sexy and our food and our music and the way we talked and the how loud we were, how fast we talked. And it was almost kind of like being in a fishbowl at times. Uh, and but then finding some space for their curiosity to be embraced or sometimes just outright being shut down because it just came off as yeah you know i think back then i would have just said like rude i think it's i think i you make a very good point so we're both originally from up north mm. um my i was born in the bronx and you are from jersey jersey um and I think I left much younger than you did, but I I don't remember thinking about culture when I was in New York because it was just a melting pot and everybody got along and there were much more like my babysitter, my babysitter was Puerto Rican. And, and it was just like, it is what it is. It's the Bronx. Like get in where you fit in. Right. Like, right. and then we moved to Florida to like old retirement Ville, Florida, where started my journey as the only or one of, or in a sea of white people, you know, mm -hmm. so being in class and there would be like, oh, you, I think that's where I literally started counting how many other people of color are there in a room? One and one great or one of three, you know, mm -hmm. so started counting. And, and then that's where I think I became really self-conscious of the culture of all of the things of trying to explain, because, you know, there's also this extra spotlight of like, why are you different? Like, I remember my mom my mom and I, when I was younger, because also curly hair, right? So curly hair just confuses everybody. Like, remember being in school and people pulling my hair in class? Like, it wasn't attached to my head. I can feel that. Like, yes, you are uncurling, curl, but it's still attached to my head. So, like, explaining that. But I remember my mom and I, we got into it one day, you know, one of the, like, many. I was like, Mom, I want, I want hair that blows in the wind. Like, why doesn't my hair go in the wind? And she's like, because your hair doesn't do that. Like, that's just not what your hair does. And, you know, she, like, 
you know, choose a hairstyle and, you know, do the braids or twists or whatever. And she's like, look at the rest of your class. You notice that half of them have clips and barrettes in their hair now? And I was like, Mm. I mean, oh. But, like, I was so busy trying to, like, lose my culture, lose my identity to assimilate. And then come to realize you're sitting in a room where people, and I mean, they, it's not like they were doing it every day or trying to be me, but just like the fact that we could both see different options and entertain that. But I was so busy trying to not be me that, you know, all the strife and headache and, and watching, watching straight hair blow in the wind. Like, no, that's not, that's not what we do. Like you have girls and we're going to embrace this. I remember begging her to perm my hair and she's like, no, you're lazy. Mm. You're going to be bald. You will look like Chris in the future. (laughs) 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 I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Um, But, you know, just all of those things, like embracing, embracing that and and the culture and and that goes with it. But um, not the culture, but the identity that goes with it as an Mm. extension, you know, and very much understanding that my hair is both my parents' hair is really curly um different textures of it and mine's like right in the middle and so again just those ways that like and it seems so simple to be talking about hair but like the fact that your identity is affirmed in your parents you know yeah. and in yeah. that experience just yeah it yeah. moving to the south just changes everything about how you see yourself <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i, th- I in layers right because i have i have the memory of moving from you know predominantly black and brown neighborhoods and as a teenager moving from from those neighborhoods to a predominantly white neighborhood and that was like a whole shift and then it's moving to the south which is a whole just a different thing as a whole that i just was not prepared for and one of the things that i've learned since moving here in the south is the, the distinction between culture and identity so i love that you use those words interchangeably and then stopped yourself and said i don't mean identity i mean culture hmm. Will you, will you talk a little bit more about that? I think identity is more so individual mm-hmm. or even like nuclear in family sense, whereas culture is more pervasive and, and bigger things for an identity of a group. Um, and so I think there can be overlap. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but they're not interchangeable per se. Um, and I think it is important for, I think as we are, especially as millennials. And I think this is a reoccurring conversation that I hear amongst this generation so much is like, we are undoing so much of the trauma of previous generations is in forging your own identity so that you can separate from culture in a way that hopefully doesn't feel overwhelming or taxing or like this huge burden or like you're, you're ruining tradition or culture in the process, but you get to carve out your own bits of your identity hopefully you're taking the time to figure out why, but um, they can be separate, but they don't have to be. I think I went in circles, but. No, I, well, I think what you shared was was beautifully. And I think the one thing that I like really want to focus on is the I in identity to your point yeah. about it being individual and culture is this collective thing. You know, again, it's a systemic way of life, right? And a system, right? And so systems have many parts. And when it comes to culture, the many parts of, of systems are the different things that you'll do, but also the fact that people, multiple people are are doing these things at a time. So I just really like what from what you got, from what you shared, what I got was the I in identity. That it's, well, I think it's really individual. You know, one of the interesting things that, you know, 
man, can I just tell you when you meditate and you like really quiet your mind and like are open to receive things, the the crazy places and, and times things will download. My mom and I went to Jamaica when I was in college years ago and we had um with my grandmother, some other family members, we had this driver and um we joke about this often we we take road trips and we we're singers in the car performers in the car actually okay in the car um and our driver very jamaican like jamaican man grew up on the island whatever and had zero rhythm zero like he i know i know right like your your mind is like blown right he would like clap completely off beat and it looked like he was trying to catch flies while he was talking i was like what are you doing and when he was really into the song because he's driving so he'd have the one hand and and just like this motion like he was really into i don't even know what that means but i say the same my mom and i mimic this now when we're really into songs and in our performance we'll just you know like (laughs) i don't i don't it's like if you try to pet an animal i don't know what he was doing but it occurred to me on one of our longer drives coming back to this i was like oh my god i have even at times been ashamed because I didn't feel Jamaican enough Mm. to like talk about being Jamaican or, you know, quite frankly, even if people were to ask me questions that I could be prepared to answer them, like, do I know the history of Jamaica? Like, don't ask me years, but also don't ask me years about being in America either. And 16 something or, you know, like somewhere around the time, that's all I've got for you. Right. That's not my jam. I'm not like, but I, I would almost feel ashamed of it. But it occurred to me in laughing about this man and his lack of rhythm that I was like, how dare I think about being Jamaican as a monolith? To mm. your point of like an identity versus a collective, there's still individual people within the collective. And yes, they're Jamaicans, Jamaica's known for music and, and rhythm, dance hall and, and all the things. But like, they're very literally, and it, it like it, it, you just block these things out. There is a story my cousin and I told when we were younger. I was like, there's two type of Jamaican men. No. Yeah. Two type of Jamaican men. There's the kind that can like dance, dance. And then there's the kind that can only dance when there's a drink in their hand. Um, And it's really then more like an awkward two-step, but like the drink somehow empowers or anchors the dancing. And I was like, how did you forget that? Like, even when I was younger, Mm. it's like, and the pressure that I put on myself to be, Jamaican enough or to to feel enough of an identity or culture or whatever and I'm like how did how much did I limit myself because if you know this I don't know if you know this about me I'm working on it but if I don't do a thing well I tend to just not do it or do it in secret until I get good at it (laughs) I'm getting over that but for a very long time if I wasn't good at something I just wouldn't do it mm. which I know is like literally the antithesis of everything that we talk about in this podcast but look I'm growing and reforming okay yeah one step at a time but I just wouldn't I wouldn't try it and so I was like yeah I'm not going to talk about being Jamaican I'm not going to embrace any I'm just that's what I got for you but it's just like the craziest thing because I'm like no Jamaican people are good at all Jamaican things like that is the dumbest thing that is the dumbest thing yeah it's you know it's so interesting because i remember for me it was i mean very similar right like how much that i know about the history of puerto rico um you know what what our culture is rooted in as growing up i didn't i didn't know much about that at all uh and 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 i i would i i would imagine that that's probably true for for most people when it comes to their culture uh and 
you know, for me, how I communicated about my culture was inviting people in to come experience it because I didn't know how to communicate. And so it was like, well, just come over, you know, and that, and that's very true to the warm, hospitable nature of the historically that's, that my, it's known to be of my people. Right. Um, it's like, oh yeah, just come over. And people got a sense of our culture and we communicated it through the acts of like, try our food, experience our music, dance with us, you know, and then especially when we moved to this white neighborhood, uh, you know, there was lots of uh, so many things that made us unique. You know, so there that fishbowl effect, while it wasn't always pleasant, there was times where, you know, it, it felt, it made us feel, it made me feel really special. Yeah. We, we approach that differently. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I was, I, you know, the essence of same, same, but different. I think even yeah. when we, right when you talk about like dancing, I, you know, I can't help but compare myself to other people in my family that I know, like my father, he can really dance. He can really, especially Latin music and merengue and salsa, like he can move. And I'm like, where, where, how come I don't know that? And, I mean, he, my father was born in Puerto Rico, you know, and, and he came to um, the States at a much younger age, but he also lost his parents at a, at a much younger age. Yeah. Um, but so much, you know, of his life when he was younger, I mean, was just deep rooted at, you know, where the, the home of our culture like in, in Puerto Rico. And so it's interesting now when, when I look at the generations of, of, um, in our family, I see the, the, the watering down, if you will, right. I see more of the, the American culture that's fused. Yeah. And then of course with us, yeah, we're a little more Puerto Rican, but we're a lot less more Puerto Rican than our parents. And then my nieces and nephews that, you know, now I'm like, they, I mean, they know the Puerto Rican because we tell them the Puerto Rican. Not, oh. not because they're eating the food the way that we did we grew up or they're listening to the music the way that we grew up. Uh, you know, it's it just, those things just aren't happening enough as it is, you know? Yeah. And, and Yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't for the longest. You know, like living here and especially moving to Florida, which is that even the South? Like, um, but just I didn't know what to do with that, like how to define the culture. And it like and even now, if you notice, I'm very careful to say my family is Jamaican. Like I am Jamaican, but I don't try to overclaim it. You know, I'm not gonna like while there are moments where I think in like in Potswell, you're not gonna hear me, you're not gonna hear me do it mm. because it's it's bad. Yeah. But like it's it's funny because it like there's there are times it's like an automatic response in my head like the whole comment or phrase will come out in my head and then I'm like your delivery is gonna ruin that <laughs> so I just like retreat and abandon but like I think in the process of having the conversations and looking at the things more it's allowed me even to the extent that you just said like what does it mean for me to decide what I do get to take pride in you know what it is I get to take pride in and what it is I get to know just because I don't know or feel super confident making certain dishes or something from scratch or, you know, I, it, it has allowed me to really think about it. One, just taking some power back. My grandmother passed six years ago and I hadn't had a saltfish fritter since. Wow. I know. But I also, again, until you think about it, she was the only person who was who I ate their saltfish fritters. And it's not to say that other people can't make them. I mean, of course other people can make them, but I just, 
it never occurred to me like that was a thing that I did with my grandmother. Right. And so when my grandmother died, it like died with my grandmother. And then it occurred to me because I've been reading and nerding out so much about different cultures and different periods of time and history and all the books and things I've been reading. And I'm like, can you just do it? Like, could you, could you look up a recipe? And you know, I'm a, I'm me. So I'm an over researcher. I looked up like four recipes and wanted to make sure they were the same. And then, you know, or similar enough. And then I tried it and I was like, it's not my grandmother's. Hmm. It's not, it never will be. But the number of times I thought about her eating them is insane. And I talked about it for like a week afterwards. Um, And so it just really taught me one, like, where can I take my power back instead of not feeling Jamaican enough? Where can I embrace the things or lean into the aspects of it that I, that I really do appreciate or that I outsource, you know, oh, okay, I found a Jamaican restaurant. So, you know, and the, the funny thing is, I will like, wait till I find a good Jamaican restaurant. And it's probably not good enough because they talk mad crap. Um, like, why is the curry orange? Um, instead of like the right shade of like, that is straight orange, not like turmeric. No, it is orange. I can't get down. I can't, you know, I can be critical, but I didn't try. Right. I didn't try. I didn't make. I'm waiting for someone else to create this experience. I was like, what are you doing? If you can learn how to make an Alfredo from scratch, if you can teach yourself about other people's cultures and these other dishes. Yeah. Well, I think at what point, what yeah, <laughs> so much of what you're saying just brings up the question of me, of for me of like, you know, how, because of how we grow up, we, we become to a certain extent experts in assimilation. Right. Which, right. Which for me, speaking for just for me and my experience, not even just my whole family, because assimilation was a generational thing. Like my grandmother at the age of between eight and nine, uh, she got out of school and she started cleaning homes and she moved to the States to this idea of the American dream. And last episode, I talked about how um, my mom would make sure that we were super clean and she ironed our clothes to the point she was, you know, creasing our jeans and the comb overs that I grew up with. Right. And so all of that is, is assimilation. So whether we realize it or not, we become, you know, assimilator assimilation experts, if you will. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just like anything else you have to choose it, mm. right? Like you have to choose your culture. It makes me think about like, one, how much are you choosing it, right? Like, do we understand, and, and to your point of a culture or time period of assimilation, like, did we always see pride in our own cultures if, and, and for different reasons, but like growing up and seeing it, did we see our parents have as much pride in being Jamaican or were they, and, you know, survival and all of the things, were they focused on assimilating so we emulated their assimilating and didn't value our culture as much? You know, and so then it becomes, and and I think back to our last episode, divided lives, code switching, you know, living authentically, like, when do you get to bring your culture into various things? Like, your family was like, hey, everybody come over. My family, not quite as much. My dad has never met a stranger. And so he would probably invite everybody and their mama into the house and give them the shirt off the back. It's, it's a whole thing. It's actually kind of a problem sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, but like. It, but it was it was come to the house maybe not like in and sharing all the meals and doing all the things right like it was just very different but like who are the gatekeepers to culture and mm. like to your culture are you giving your power to others i think it's really easy to rely on especially when you don't necessarily live with them to rely on aunts and uncles or even grandparents to like hold your culture you know like 
in in my family, my grandmother was known for her carrot juice, which I know people are like carrot juice. Mm, the show was delicious. Yes, delicious yeah. and not very healthy for you by the time you were done. Right, but it was so damn good. But like, it was very much a special occasion thing. Like mm. I learned to make it. She taught me how to make it, but because it's so fat <laughs> we don't make it terribly often but like did i pass am i like hold like is someone else holding my culture like there's so many things that are tied to my grandmother and like obviously my mom one year i was in college and was super homesick and i was just like i just want to be home and she made everything she made every dish i was literally not even hungry for three days so i'm not saying that like neither of my parents do this but like i think of my grandmother so much mm. with like the culture and so i've been challenging myself you know in thinking about this and having like what does it mean to study it? What does it mean to study and to understand the history? And and yes, I'm a complete nerd. So yes, that means like the food. I've started following different people on Instagram and checking out blogs and looking for recipes. But it also means like, what is the history? And what is this interesting economical state that is happening in this country? And I will say, having learned some tidbits about Puerto Rico, Stay the say the states because it ain't the same. It's it is not, not the same. same. It's not the it same. It's not the same. No. In culture, in values, in economic treatment, Puerto Rico feels like the bald headed stepchild of the United States. Wonderful. And so, like, but but to even understand that. So when you get here, but like understanding that history and, and the the culture of it, right? Even even in the assimilation, we think it's just, oh, get here and it's the American dream, especially in New York, you want to assimilate. But some of it is also like the perceptions of your country mm-hmm. of your people that are not representative of who you are and so you want to separate yourself from that and so literally then becomes survival right and like yes you can be proud two things can be true at the same time you can be proud of your culture and also need to figure out how to feed your kids and keep a roof over the head and rent on the table and again that divided lives and sometimes it is just a necessity and the more that i have been reading the more i understand that yeah yeah, I think that's so beautiful because it goes back to what you're talking about, like the choice. Like, are you choosing your culture? Are you choosing to learn more? You know, even even from what beyond beyond what you were told. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I um I recently read Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, and there's part of this that really sticks out for me. Um, okay, one, all of it is a very good read. Period. But when you talk about the racism, is especially in it. And I, you know, those moments that you have to like arrest and know, like read a thing or hear a thing and be like, oh, they're talking about me. That's, that's me. Mm. She talks about this one part in the book where um, basically foreign foreigners that are black in this white, black, you know, especially Southern definition of it will try to elevate themselves as foreigners to separate themselves from being like American, the American black experience so much so that like losing an accent or um even like you know tanning or whatever you know sun sun being out in the sun or whatever like those things that like help to distinguish you or your uniqueness elevate you from you know the caste system where black people are at the bottom is is like an interesting tactic that black people will often use or you know minorities will use coming coming here and i think to an extent you want to be proud of your culture but also you get to this country and you realize how this country treats black people and you're like oh but i'm not that I don't want to be associated with that. And so even for me, realizing that at times, especially in the pulling of the hair or the what are you and the, oh, you're biracial. And I'm like, no, my mom was black. 
Like there are black people in England, I promise. Right. But she said she's from London. There are black people in England, you know? Um, and so just realizing for myself the moments and I, and I haven't always done it, but like there have been some moments where I'm like, Oh, my family's Jamaican. And it's, it's one, because it's true, but two, like, it's a very different experience for me. Like I heard repeatedly growing up, I don't know who raised them, but I know who raised you. My mama has like these catchphrases mm-hmm. and that superseded any race any ethnicity any heritage jamaican or not what i said supersedes whatever identity you think you want to have today is me and so that meant pushing myself and doing more and elevating above certain standards or certain stereotypes that may have been associated with one race or culture or whatever like it was above that but just the moment you have to catch yourself and understand again even in the assimilation you know what are the bigger systems at play even bigger than like an economical thing it's like the foundation of this country and racism and and keeping people in their place and all the systems in play to to do that interesting when we start to talk about culture and the layers you can get into it and i'm wondering for you at this point in the conversation how might you invite our listeners uh to start to embrace culture from their perspective, regardless of the Latino or black or white, how, how would you invite them to start a journey on discovering what culture means for them? Um, one of the questions I actually feel prepared for this time. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing, and, and like, when we talk about starting, like my, I think the initial reaction is like, make a list, do this, do that. How do you switch for me? How do you switch from fear to curiosity? Mm. How do you move from a static non-growth oriented space to one that allows you to embrace to um endorse or to to welcome in more love from your culture more context from your culture to get curious about your culture or cultures you know because i think even in this um in the getting curious i realize there's a whole subset of intersectionality based on the history between which obviously colonization between England and Jamaica, but that that based on when my parents were born, that that has a whole separate unique identity. And in that, you know, so many people from Jamaica and, you know, just the, the countries that Britain colonized were brought to England to do this work that nobody in England wanted to do. And so there's this influx so much so that every time I hear it, it blows my mind that like one of the national dishes in England is curry. And I'm like, what Mm. how did what but even in that just again reading right and and i think it starts with like when i say research and and yes i do mean like like fact um but some of it's also playful so one of the things i read this year was um black cake um which is if you've ever had the privilege of having a black cake know that you are blessed and it is a magical magical experience but it's it's a work of fiction but it talks about this connection between jamaica and england and even their fear and their identity and keeping that even from their own family and so when we talk about culture being passed down there's just so many layers and complexity to it and so what does it mean to be playful and then on the other side of it i read spare by um what's his last name prince harry i don't know that he has a last name does he have a last name he has to right whatever anyway by prince great question (laughs) that's a great question i'm like i don't know i don't know his last name i I mean also like prince harry do you need a last name which is also a whole thing that you know 
the whole world knows that you don't have to have a last name. But anyway, so he's talking about just like the context of it. And so there are certain things and certain experiences that I couldn't even understand about my mother about like the rigidity that she had around certain thoughts and, and um, the respect of the queen and the monarch and like this thing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like stop being such a weirdo. And she's like, you don't understand. And there were so many things in listening to his experience. I was like, oh, mama, I owe you an apology. My bad. Yeah. But he also talks about the the Commonwealth countries. And so just getting playful with it, even starting there, but also like literally it's scrolling on Instagram and following people that like make Jamaican dishes. Like I'm going to, ooh, pray for me. I'm going to try this one dish for Mother's Day. I don't know if it's going to go well. It's one of the dishes that my grandfather makes my mother or made my mom when she was younger that uh, she really loves. But in the same way that I didn't have salt fish, my mom didn't have this dish until my grandfather made it. So pray for me. Yes. And if, and if you don't ever hear me talk about it again, don't ask questions because it didn't go well. I was going to say, we um, need photos so we can follow up on social media, cut this clip and, you know, show people. Like I said, if you don't hear about it again, don't ask questions know that I'm trying, ask me again in two weeks. I love it. But so just, just getting curious and like getting playful and embracing what that is and leaning into the parts that feel like love most, you know, I think every culture has parts that don't feel great, but where do you start with the parts that you can embrace and lean into most? And then I think build up to the parts that don't feel great and ask questions. Um, One of the best part of this experience has been going back and and talking about these experiences with my mom, like, and having these conversations And, and my dad to an extent, but my mom and I are the ones that like, nitpick and go deep and do all the things and she'd be like oh yeah and and for her to like re-experience things or or think about things she hasn't thought about in years or forgot about or whatever like how can that then become a glue that you both like I don't know refresh (laughs) refresh your culture I don't that's not the right word but like lean into it a bit more and and very specially between the two of us it has been a really good way to remember my grandmother Mm -hmm. um to talk about these experiences because you know I think I don't know. It's just like six years in, I feel so much more like I feel like I understand her so much more in this time than I did even when she passed or the years before that. But just I think a little bit more life and then understanding the culture and the layers and the history of the things. I'm like, oh, I see her more. Um, So, yeah, I, I would say get curious and lean into the parts that feel like love. Yeah, I think that's really great. And even also the invitation to have to be playful around it. I think it's something I always love. It's a big lesson that when I embrace like my inner child and one of the reasons why I love being around the young people in my life is they're a beautiful reminder of play. Uh, Because one of the things that doesn't really work for me as an adult is the adult perspective I have around some things, you know, and how personal I might take things or how serious. And I know if I'm taking things too personal or too serious, I am missing on an opportunity to play and I might be missing a message. You know, there's actually this... um, you this reel that i saw of this young young black girl and she is uh she is just spitting so much game so much knowledge she's super young and at the end of it all you know she says this one line which i love and it always sticks with me so you might i might repeat this a lot on different episodes but it's don't miss the message because you don't agree with the messenger yeah. Think about like agreeability, right? You may not agree with not just what they're saying. You may not agree with what they look like, you know, their age, um, their tone, their vo- there must, there, there could be so many things that you would not agree about that person. And the message is the message, you know? So right. 
I think if I say that to say that if anyone's listening and they don't feel like they're connecting to this conversation around culture, I wouldn't allow any of that a disagreeableness, if you will, uh, to keep you from missing the message of like, what does it look like to be playful and curious around what your culture is? Because even if you don't think you have one, you have one because culture is a systemic way of life. We all have one. Absolutely. Um, what is, and I know we're at time, but I just want to ask this, what is one thing that you are incredibly proud of or love and would want other people to know about your culture? Beautiful, beautiful question. And I definitely want to echo that uh, after I answer for you. I, you know, this thing that I'm about to name is, is the thing that has even cost many of my people, my culture, their lives historically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the thing that I love most about my culture is how warm, embracing, and hospitable we are as a people. I think that's one thing, no matter if you know a Puerto Rican from the North, a Puerto Rican from the South, a Puerto Rican from Puerto Rico, a Puerto Rican from somewhere else overseas. One of the things that's very consistent, even as I meet other, other Puerto Ricans, is this warmth and this hospitableness and to your point about even like your dad, like willing to give the shirt off your back. You know, once, once you, I say this to all the time to people, once you get one of us in our family, you get all of us, you know, we're, we're just a unit and that those family ties are just, are really, really huge. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, Taino people, which on my mother's side, my maternal grandmother, um, she had shared some stories about what it means to be Tahino before. I mean, I didn't, most of my life, I didn't know that we were connected to Tahino people. And those people were first discovered by Columbus before Native Americans were. And they were also the first people that Columbus conquered before Native Americans, you know, and, and how they did it was they learned enough of us and they took advantage of the hospitableness and the warm inviting, you know? So that's why I say that this has also cost our lives, but it's even despite all of that, it is still something very beautiful and moving for me to experience within my culture. That was so well said. Thank you. That was so good. I will also say having been to your house and met your parents, Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, I think I would say the same thing. Um, but given what came up as you were talking was like flavor, Mm. um, just, and I mean, across the board. So whether that's like, and maybe flavor is not the the best word, but like this unifying, like essence of like Jamaican-ness, like if you could bottle it and it's, it's in the food, it's in the layering of the spices, but it's in, you know, like house parties and even just like the way that everybody stands around and, and, and the men with the one drink in the hand, you know, like the dancing, um, it's in the playing dominoes, you know, like, I don't like, it's never just, oh, let me turn over a tile. It's, boom, right. you know, and there's like, there's so much shit talking and it's magical and that is love. And, and there is this just resource, like there's just this consistent flavor and essence of the the being and like the showing up the same in all the spaces whether it's the food or it's in the company or it's in the music there's just this like dimension and flavor to it that I oh I love it (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah I totally I get that I totally get the, the I think the flavor is a great one word and and beautiful like succinct way of describing 
the layers of, of of that beyond even the food that shows up in yeah. in, in, in in different cultures. I will say I really love talking about culture with you, mm-hmm. and I don't know where I thought we would end up at the end of this, but I think it's really clear that we could talk for forever about this. Oh yeah, um, especially the celebration of which I I appreciate being able to share with you after years of not feeling like I could always celebrate it or celebrate it wholeheartedly even in my not knowing and the curiosity so I appreciate the space to share that with you and then of course anyone listening um and I think I'll just say like please continue this conversation with us in the comments like we're gonna keep talking about it you're gonna see it show up thank you for joining us for this episode it is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself. We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast.
Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you. Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself. We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast as that helps us grow.